It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the football guru, football fanatic, Uncle Dave in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Dave underscore Essler. And we also have Steve Reeder on the podcast. You guys can get him at Avoid the Vig. You guys can always get us at TheBettingPredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL week number three, myself, Dave, and Steve going to go ahead we're going to rip through our four big games we'll also go ahead we'll do our player prop contest uncle dave will update you guys with the weather steve will go ahead he'll do the injuries i'll give you guys the sheep's pick we'll do our three team predator parlay we'll give you guys a promo and then we'll go ahead we'll give you best bets and our three agreed picks so got a lot on the board here today uncle dave i want to go ahead i want to start out with you with our first big game on the docket here it's going to be in the game between the Denver Broncos and the Miami Dolphins. Current line in this game right now, Miami Dolphins minus 6.5, total of 48. How are you feeling about Miami-Denver? Yeah, well, since we talked about this this morning, I haven't changed my mind, Sleepy. I, I gave out the Denver win total under off and on all summer, and there was plenty of pushback. Uh, Russell Wilson has seen his best days. I'm sorry, but he doesn't have the ability to run anymore. Uh, and Sean Payton doesn't have Breeze Kamara or Michael Thomas. The Broncos are 0-2 at home. Uh, first road game in South Florida, which, of course, is not the dry Colorado air. You know, and, you know, I have thought about this for a second because the Dolphins are at Buffalo next week. But then I, then I looked a little further. This is their first home game. So I have some crowd energy off two nice road wins. And the Dolphins were 6-2 and two at home last year. Denver last year, they won exactly one road game uh, without that mile-high advantage, which is real. Uh, they were 500 at home. And, and through the first two weeks, the Dolphins are number one in yards per play. And it's not close. Uh, and they convert those uh, to uh, yards into points. They're fourth in points per play. And the Dolphins have faced the Chargers out, out in California and Belichick. And Denver's played the Raiders in Washington. And that typically, to me, widens the disparity between these two teams. And I like the Dolphins here quite a bit. And the total going up, um, that probably would give us more room for margin. So uh, it's a lot of points, but I think Miami is the play. All right, Uncle Dave, I'm going to be on the opposite side of you with this one. Um, I kind of want to say that, the, that like, this is the, the Broncos season. Like, it's on the line here. They already started out. They're 0-2. It's a tough hole to climb out of regardless. And if they lose this game in a tough AFC, I don't know if the Broncos can go ahead and make it back in the season. So this is kind of a must-win game for them. They are fully healthy right now, and their backs are up against the wall. Judy's going to be back for his second week. Javonta Williams another week. It looks like he's rounding a little bit in the shape. The Dolphins on the other side, they're a little bit banged up. The injuries uh, to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you have to wonder like how severe they are. I think both guys are going to play and probably be you know rather effective, but you do worry a little bit about that. Armstead's banged up. You have two defensive players that are banged up. I think the only way that you can actually slow down this Dolphins offense, even with a banged up Tyreek Hill and a Jalen Waddle, you have to have a good secondary. And I think the Broncos actually have that. The Broncos right now, I guess you could say they're at an all-time low, and Miami's at an all-time high. And when that's the case, you obviously want to go ahead and buy low. You want to sell high. I don't think Russell Wilson's actually been bad this season. I just get this kind of weird feeling that it is a close game here, Uncle Dave. The Dolphins' defense has stepped up last week, but will it look like the defense that we saw in week number one against the Chargers that gave up a ton of points? Uh, I feel like this game probably, Uncle Dave, is like somewhere in the area of like, Maybe like five point game, somewhere in that area. I don't think it really gets much, much higher than that. I could be wrong. I mean, Denver has shown up at, at times to, let me just say it the other way. At times, Denver has not shown up at all. But Miami's shown up all year long. So um, clearly, Miami's the better team. But I just feel like Denver, with the, you know, with the health and the fact that their backs up are against the wall, like their season's on the line. So they're going to come with an all-in effort here. So I'll take the points there, Uncle Dave. That's what I'll do with that one. Not sure what Steve's going to say here, but he has the tiebreaker on this one. What do you think, Steve? Looking at, at this game, it's it's tough to to support Denver. Uh, the number is a little bit larger than I think my power rating suggests, but you know Denver's done fun nothing but fall short of expectations this year. They were favored in both games, both lost outright. You know, and the Hail Mary made it look closer than it appeared last week versus Washington. You know, but that's a game that they led twenty-one to three. And then in a blink of an eye, they're down 35 to 24 with under two minutes left to Sam Howell. 
Denver's defense is not what it used to be. And I know because I thought Washington wasn't going to make their team total. They did and almost doubled their team total from what was projected at the start of the game. So I'm really not impressed with them. And what makes matters even worse for Denver is that both games were at home in mile high in September. That is usually a recipe for success. And here we are. We have a a team that's now 0-2 and fell way short of expectations. And there's reports of infighting between the players and coaches concerning Wilson's effectiveness as a coach, which is something to keep an eye on. And you remember at the beginning of the year, Sean Payton was saying there was Nathaniel Hackett did the worst coaching job last season. And he's in the same position right now where he's got Russell Wilson. That's not performing the way that he expected him to. And you know, his team is 0 two. It's not a very good start for them. And this is a, an extremely difficult test. Miami, you know, they were a team that I was higher on than the market to start the year. They had a healthy to it. And I thought that it raised the ceiling of, of them exponentially uh, because I've seen what he can do. And so much of the perception of two was marred by his injury concerns but he's healthy and there's no reason to suspect he won't live up to those expectations. You know, they barely got out of a a win week one against uh, the chargers. Their defense allowed 34 points, but their offense put up 36. They are absolutely electric right now. And I thought new England would actually slow them down, but they put up 24 points rather quickly before New England's defense actually started to do something effective, um, but they never had lower than an 80% chance to win the entire second half of that game. And frankly, the speed kills. Denver's D allowed Sam Howell to score 35. You, you have to think that Miami is going to be uh, somewhat effective enough to gain some margin in this one. And Denver's offense can't keep up. You know, I, I like and, and I did bet a small bet on Miami minus six and a half. Um, and that's pretty much as far as you could take it right now. If it goes to seven, obviously you have to stay away. But if two is healthy, they're a Super Bowl contender. A little bit concerned about the Jalen Waddle injury. That's something to keep an eye on. I probably like it a lot more if we had some clarity on that one. Uh, but right now, you know, if you're looking for a small play, I think you could do a lot worse than Miami minus six and a half. All right, good stuff from everybody on that one. Let's go. Let's jump into our next game here. We have New Orleans at Green Bay. Green Bay minus two, total 42. I'll go ahead. I'll lead out on this one. I think that these teams in terms of yardage tells an interesting story. The yardage allowed and the yardage gained, it's not actually close. If you take both of these teams and you look at them, the Saints have a plus 205 yardage to their credit versus the Packers. I do think that that's important. This is the Packers home opener, and I think that that's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy for an indoor team going on the road in Green Bay for their first game. But it's not like it's not like it's the dead of winter right now. Like Green Bay's home field advantage gets stronger and stronger as it gets colder and colder. And, I mean, this is just from, from my past. Like, I, I get it. Like, it's not Drew Brees. It's not the Drew Brees teams. But the Saints were always trouble when they went to the Packers. Now, granted, there were some games that they went in there and played in, like, the, the cold, cold. And they still played well. They played well in the early in the season. So, um, I'm kind of just maybe I'm reliving some of those tough games as a Packer fan, even when they had Rodgers and they had Favre. You know, New Orleans just always seemed to go ahead and, and show up. I think the way we go maybe with this game is maybe tease up New Orleans to plus eight. I get it. It's like a shorter week, but, you know, they played Monday. It's a back-to-back situation for them now on the road. It's just it's tough to take the Saints only getting two points, and I could see Green Bay losing this because I'm not sold that Green Bay is really all that great. I mean, who'd they beat? They beat the Bears, big deal. They beat the Falcons. Atlanta's okay. I mean, they really haven't shown like they're an offensive juggernaut. You know, the lines too. So plus eight, you know, it gets me through three. It gets me through seven. I feel like that's probably you know rather valuable. So if I did anything with this game and I'm not sold on doing it yet, I'd probably go ahead and tease the Saints up. That's what I would do, but again, I'm kind of kind of on the fence. It's a little bit early in the week yet um, to maybe decide in this game, but I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on this one next year, Uncle Dave. How are you feeling about the Saints and Packers? There's a lot of variables and a lot of possible outcomes here, I think, Sleepy, and, and you kind of alluded to it, you know, sort of maybe, I don't know. Um, and I looked at the Saints, and they've kind of got it done against lesser teams or at home, uh, and without Kamara, who's out again this week, um, and, and I wonder if the running back by committee with Taysom Hill and whatnot can, can still get it done. I don't know the answer to that, but what I do know is that the Saints' defense has been legit. Uh, but again, that's against two offenses that aren't legit. So, And I look at the Packers for all the focus on the Green Bay offense and, and love and, and the young wide receivers. 
It's their defense I'm really concerned with. They they gave up 20 to the Bears and 25 to, I think it's a pathetic Falcons uh, offense, really. Uh, with that said, uh, the Green Bay offense doesn't seem to be legit. Uh, you know, Bakhtari's probably going to play. Uh, Dobbs and Watson are probably going to play. Aaron Jones is probably not going to play. Um, that's what I heard from my people in Wisconsin. Um, you know, I, I wanted the under here sleepy, given we might see some less than ideal weather. Uh, but then there's that Green Bay defense. And then I wanted the Saints, and I still kind of lean that way. But then there's the shorter week. Uh, so I don't love either one. I'm, I'm going to bet both. I'm going to bet the Saints and under mainly because I don't see any scenario in my mind that, that has a high-scoring Packers win uh, label to it. So uh, uh, Saints and under there for me, Sleepy. Yeah, I don't hate that there, Uncle Dave. I didn't even really consider the under in that one, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, both secondaries are pretty good. Neither quarterback I don't think could really be trusted to go ahead and get the ball deep. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'll let Steve go ahead and wrap this one up. Steve, what do you think? I think we have a, a you know normally a, a gigantic home field advantage, gigantic in the term of of 2023 in the NFL, which home field doesn't matter as much. But Green Bay had two road games so far, and this is their first home one. So I think that home field advantage that they have in, in Lambeau is going to be even more than normal. You know, at the start of this week, I thought we were going to get back Christian Watson. I thought we were going to get back Aaron Jones and back Diari. It looks like Watson is back. He's practicing. The Jones injury, there's not a whole lot of clarity right now. And with the back Diari situation, that's also slightly concerning there because I don't really know if it's really an injury or if he's concerned about the turf. There's been a lot of rumors back and forth. So without a ton of clarity on that, it's tough for me to get really involved in this game. But Jordan Love has looked better than I expected, all while missing major contributors. Like I mentioned, Watson is number one target. Jones is number one running back. They should be, maybe could be 2-0 if things worked out last week. Uh, but they're a team that I, I do think is on the rise. They're better than the preseason expectations. Um, but this is also an interesting contest against New Orleans. They're riding high, 2-0, but they only won those games by four total points. They had cluster injuries right now at the running back position with Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. They do get Kendra uh, Miller back, so I think that does help. And Michael Thomas actually had a resurgence in the first half of last week. Uh, not sure what happened to him in the second half because there was not a whole lot of production there. And, and Chris Olave is always a threat. So they do have the weapons. But, you know, the Saints had money come against them in week one. And then they had money come on them last week. But they played Carolina. And, I, you know, there's a lot of conventional wisdom that thinks Carolina was a fade last week more than the Saints were getting money. So, you know, all things considered, if Watson plays, if Jones plays, if Bakhtiari is all cleared, I think this number is going to hit three. And if that's the case and it's moving, I think it's going to be a mad rush to the window. And, and I would play it, anything under three, if those three players are playing for Green Bay. All right, moving on to our third big game here. We have the Buffalo Bills at the Washington Commanders, the undefeated Washington Commanders. Uh, Buffalo's going to be minus six and a half. We have a total of 43 and a half. Uncle Dave, I'll let you go ahead and start on this one first. What are you thinking about with the Bills and Commanders? Um, yeah, I mean, Washington's 2-0. I love it. Uh, but a win over Arizona and, and and a game they trailed at halftime and not by margin. And, and they're almost gifted one in Denver, really, a game they tried hard to get back. Um, what I really wondered after the Denver game is the Washington defense legit. I mean, I thought they were better uh, when healthy, obviously Chase Young and all. But, I mean, they allowed the Broncos 5.4 yards per play last week. So, one thing I think I'm going to look at is Bill's offensive player props uh, before they, you know, after they kind of got it together last week against the Raiders a little bit. Um, and in their game against the Jets, I think much of that loss was, you know, maybe they stopped taking the Jets seriously after Rodgers went down. I don't know, but something surely happened. And, and you know, not wanting to fall to one and two and two games behind, uh, what's going to be a 3-0 and Miami team after they beat the Broncos, sorry. Um, I expect effort here, uh, but they play Miami next week, so there is that spot. And when I add up all the possible outcomes and variables here, there's one thing that's constant. Washington's look like shit in the first half of both games, and they were down to the Cardinals, uh, down more than a score to Denver at the half. So the obvious uh, Bulls, uh, Bills full game bet might not be so obvious when you consider a possible letdown or a backdoor if they're ahead late. Uh, so I will take that off the table, and I'll bet the Bills in the first half sleeping. All right. I don't have a problem with that there, Uncle Dave. I like what you said there, though, about the offense is not looking all that great, especially the commanders. I'm actually going to take a look at the over here, Uncle Dave, because I think that the commander's offense actually woke up. I mean, week one didn't look great. 
week two looked far better. Same thing with the Bills. Week one, their offense didn't look good, but in week two, you know, it looked far better. I think both of these teams come in here with um, looking to do kind of what they did exactly last week that really helped them, and that was pick up a lot of chunk plays. We saw a lot of deeper throws, uh, much better blocking schemes, saw some decent runs for both of these teams. So I think both of these teams maybe play a little bit of a quicker pace, and they kind of play this game wide open. You would expect the Commanders to go ahead and use this game probably, Uncle Dave, as like their measuring stick is going to be one of their toughest games. But to go ahead and start the season like 3-0, and I think that that would be something that nobody really expected. I don't even know if that team expected it. But I think that they come in here fully motivated, you know, on high alert, knowing that they have a team like the Bills on deck. I think the only thing that gives me pause here, Uncle Dave, is they are calling for you know, a lot of rain on the East Coast this entire weekend. Uh, we have like a big low pressure system supposedly coming up the East Coast. It looks like it's going to inundate us, you know, pretty much like Friday night all the way to like Sunday night. So I'm going to wait on this. If the weather turns out to be clear, let's say there's no rain, no wind, or both. If it's clear, I'll go ahead. I'll try the over on this one. That's the way that I kind of feel with the with this game in general right now. So that's my pick there. Let's go ahead and see what Steve says about the Bills and the Commanders. You know, Buffalo against a good defense in the Jets, uh, Josh Allen was brutal. The offense was brutal. They lost outright. And then they played last week against a porous one in the Las Vegas, and they looked dominant. So what is Washington? You know, they're probably somewhere in between. They allowed 16 points to Arizona, who put up 28 on the Giants. Uh, but they allowed 33 to the Broncos. But much of that came from three improbable plays, you know, the two to uh, Marvin Mims and the Hail Mary at the end of the game. So, you know, Washington's defense, I think, I don't know if I want to say formidable, but I think that they are above average. And maybe some of those expectations that we had a couple of years ago, maybe they're going to live up to those. Um, and, and speaking of expectations, Hal is significantly better from Washington's perspective than I expected. I didn't think he was going to be good at all. And, and here he is. He, he's putting them in positions to win games. You know, a- Arizona and an overrated uh, Denver defense. Buffalo will step up in class. Um, and, but the, look at this right now, right? The summer line was Buffalo minus five. Right now we have six and a half. And I'm not sure why it's moved in Buffalo's favor. You know, Buffalo has failed to live up those expectations. Washington has exceeded those expectations. And we have a number that's very close to hitting seven. And if it does, I'm going to be betting Washington plus the, the, the touchdown here. I don't understand it. Buffalo ha- has, hasn't looked quite as dominant as I expected. There's chinks in that armor. And, and you know, Josh Allen is always prone for a, a tough turnover. He has not gotten rid of that um, that, that complex right there. Uh, Washington's going to be a great play at plus seven. If it hits it, I'm interested. If not, I'll be a bystander. <laughs> All right, so with that game done and out of the way, let's jump over to our fourth and final big game here. We got the Atlanta Falcons at the Detroit Lions. Current line in this game, Detroit Lions minus three, and we have a total of 46. I'll go ahead, I'll start out on this one there. I like the under. The market has moved to the over, and I think some of that is due to the Lions giving up 37 points last week and scoring 31, plus the Falcons kind of broke through against Green Bay where they had 49 total points in that game. But I asked myself, why would the Lions try to pass the ball with a wide receiver core right now that's all banged up, an offensive line that's all banged up? Uh, I don't think they want to get Jared Goff killed. The Falcons, if they do one thing well on defense, it's certainly cover the wide receivers. I have the Falcons secondary above average. So even if the Lions wide receivers are going to play here, Ramon St. Brown, Reynolds, and those guys, uh, I think that they can cover those guys. The Falcons want to run, and, you know, Ritter's not really a passing quarterback. Like, if you've seen this guy play, he's clearly not the future for this franchise. He's nothing really more than just a game manager. And having him go out there and throw the ball all over, I think you're asking for trouble. I think the Falcons use their bread and butter here. I think that they they clearly run the football. And I think the Lions are going to look to run here a lot with Jameer Gibbs. Now, I know Montgomery's a little bit banged up, but – I don't know, like I, I do worry about the wide receiver and the offensive line. Like I think the smart thing for Detroit to do here, especially at home, is to just look to go ahead and throw the ball when they need to, avoid sacks, avoid turnovers, and just let Jameer Gibbs go out there and, and kind of just do his thing. I think the pace of this game will actually be a little bit slower. Detroit's pace of game is like 11th, but I think that will slow down here. Atlanta's is like 17th, so you could pretty much say like average. I think on the road now, that they will slow down. The under seems like the side that I want to be on. 
I'm not really dead set on betting it right now, but I think that that's the way that I would go. As far as the line's concerned, I don't really don't want any part of it. I mean, this line opened up at, what, six? It's already down to three. A lot of it's due to the injuries. Like, I feel like there's no value on any side when it comes to betting a side. I feel like all the value here is probably left in the total. So it's under 46 for me. Uncle Dave, that's what I like most. What do you think? Well, a little bit the other way, um, but not totally. I mean, I have to admit, I mean, the Falcons are a puzzlement. I mean, they... In game one, they got 220 yards of total offense against Carolina, and uh, game two, rather, and then they rushed for over 200 yards against the Packers. Um, you know, I have to think the Lions are going to stack the box and, and make Atlanta throw. But, you know, now the Falcons are on the road for the first time. And, and I got to admit, this Lions team, they got to be pissy. Um, but, you know, with their win over the Chiefs, I, I'm going to chalk that up to 100% situational. The Chiefs were minus Kelsey and just didn't handle it well. And then, you know, Detroit actually put up some numbers, but they got turnover prone against Seattle and lose a game they should have won. But, you know, they let, you know, Smith throw for 300 yards. Uh, so, you know, maybe Ritter has some hope here. I don't know. I think this one always, you know, it comes down to whether they can stop the Falcons' run game. Um, Robinson's for real. I said that in his sophomore season at Texas. Uh, Ritter won't be put in situations where he has to throw or throw deep. I think if Atlanta can manage the down and distance, they can control the clock. If they can't, I think they have no chance. I mean, you mentioned the market. It's clearly saying Falcons plus the points, but that would have been Falcons plus four and a half to six, not three. Um, but I'm not so sure about that. We, we've already seen several several of, several of the sleepy sheep type games this year where the, the overreaction in the market has just been totally wrong. So I think the one bet I'm going to make in this game is the Lions team total over. Um, the you know the, the Falcons have faced Jordan Love without wide receivers and and Bryce Young in his first NFL start. So I am just um, I'm thinking Detroit scores here uh, and, and gets right against Atlanta. Whether Atlanta scores or not, uh, I honestly don't care. I, I I like the Lions team total over. All right, great stuff there, Uncle Dave. We'll go ahead and let Steve wrap up this one. Steve, how you feeling about the Falcons and the Lions? My power rating should put me on the lines here, but the Detroit injury situation is horrifying. They are one of, if not the most injured team in the NFL. In fact, since September 16th, they added 10 players to the injury report, four of which are on IR. All of those players are on defense, most notably C.J. Gardner-Johnson. David Montgomery is day-to-day. You know, a lot of people are going to be clamoring for Jameer Gibbs. Supposedly, they're going to do a running back by committee, so good luck with that, fantasy owners. Amon Rossine Brown came up on the injury report dealing with a toe injury and he's day to day and he did not practice. So there's a lot of things right now that's going negative for Detroit, all in the injury situation. You know, I don't know how much clarity we're going to get. I mean, if St. Brown does play, how healthy is going to be? If Montgomery does play, how healthy is he going to be? How effective is he going to be for this team? And frankly, in Atlanta, you know, they should be able to matriculate the ball down the field, eating up time, limiting Goff's op- opportunities. And if he doesn't have a couple of his weapons that he normally has at his disposal, I think we could see them struggle in this game. You know, add in the fact that they're playing indoors and Desmond Ritter, who, you know, is undefeated at home in college in the NFL, does go on the road. I think he's going to have success here. And they have a lot of speed at those skill positions in the running back in particular. Uh, and they have a great offensive line. I don't think Detroit will be able to slow down that run game as much as they'd like. And we're getting a hook here. So if you don't have any action on Atlanta, I know that numbers come down a little bit here. Plus three and a half, I think, is definitely worth a play. All right. Great stuff there from everyone on those four games. With that done and out of the way, let's go ahead and let's jump into our player prop contest. Uncle Dave's still in the lead now. Uh, last week, myself, Steve improved. Actually, everybody last week went one and one, so not 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 doing too bad. But Uncle Dave, I'm going to let you go ahead and start out this week. Your two player props that you're putting into the contest. Who are you looking at? Well, I'm going to go right back and, and and use the Dallas defense and take Josh Dobbs under 189 and a half yards passing. I was. One of my losses last week, I think, was was uh, Zach Wilson uh, barely uh, limped over his yardage total. But uh, Zach Wilson uh, is better than Josh Dobbs, believe it or not. And Zach, uh, Josh Dobbs doesn't have a fraction of the weapons that Zach Wilson had. So, um, you know, and Josh Dobbs might not even last the whole game if Dallas decides to play. So I like I like Josh Dobbs under 189.5. I like Kenny Pickett over 219.5. And, you know, people have pointed to what they saw on Monday night when the Steelers had uh, seven yards, negative seven yards maybe of total offense in the fourth quarter and, and won the game. 
But if you look at that game, um, you know, Pickett still had uh, 235 yards passing. Uh, wait a minute, that could be uh, 222 yards passing. Well, that's more than 219 and a half. Uh, and he essentially did that in three quarters. Uh, I, I know Deontay Johnson's out, but, you know, War- Pickens goes for a buck 27. Warren has four for 66. I, you know, Boykin, Boykin can hold his own. Um, Frymouth, I think, will do okay. And, 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 and I think they'll use Najee out of the backfield a little more. So I'm going to take the Kenny Pickett over 219 and a half. Uh, and another reason I may do, I'm going to do that is kind of, you know, that seems a little higher than it should be. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Uh, so uh, I'm going to, you know, I mean, Pittsburgh's going to have to throw. Uh, they should be behind. Tons of reasons that gets to 220. All right, good stuff there from Uncle Dave. There's his two props. I'll go ahead. I'll give mine next. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Deshaun Watson over his passing yards, 236.5. Now the Browns are going to be at home here playing the Tennessee Titans. And if you guys watched what happened the other night to Nick Chubb, um, it wasn't fun to watch. It was a pretty gruesome injury. It sucks because, in my opinion, he was the best running back, best pure runner uh, in the entire league. So he's done. He's out for the year. And I think that the, the at least the Cleveland Browns playbook has to shrink up this week. And it's probably going to do them some good because you can't run on Tennessee. Tennessee is one of the best run defenses in the league. So you have to throw. And some of the concern last week was that Amari Cooper wouldn't be healthy. He looked perfectly fine in that game. And Deshaun Watson, even though he looked a little rusty coming into the year, I mean, he was underthrowing, overthrowing some guys. I mean, it was a little sloppy in the game that he played against Cincinnati. I think he's slowly been getting a little bit better and better and better each week. And if you watched him last week, you know, he started to look, I would say, actually pretty good in, in some some cases. So I think he has a big passing game. They're going to rely on him. I mean, they have to. They have no chub. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play him over to 236 and a half passing yards. And I'm also going to go out. I'm going to play Bijan Robinson over 69 and a half rushing yards. Like I said, when I talked about the Falcons, I think this game probably goes under. And I see a lot of running here from Atlanta. Atlanta is going to be on the road. They're going to have to lean on their horses. And although I thought Tyler Algier would get more playing time last week, he actually didn't. Like Bijan Robinson, I don't know if he if he's taken over or, or if he's took over. But he clearly got more carries last week. He was clearly used far more. I think he's going to be used a lot this week against Detroit. And I like him to go over his 69.5 rushing yards. I like that one quite a bit. So there's Uncle Dave's two. There's my two. Steve, we'll let you go ahead and wrap it up with your two for our player prop contest. What do you got? Both of my player props this week are, are coming in the Giants game for the Thursday night football. There wasn't a ton of options available looking at the market before we uh we, we, we recorded here, but I do like to right in this game right up front. You know, Matt Breida over two and a half receptions plus 135. And, and frankly, you know, Saquon Barkley obviously gets a lot of looks. People have heard of Matt Breida because he used to be relevant back in the day. He's not now. He's old. We know he's not as effective. But the San Francisco defense likes to keep everything in front of them in front of them. They don't want any big plays down the field. They had to do too high safety. And if you look at those games, you know, the first two weeks, the running backs ha- have secured I think it was six or more receptions out of the backfield. And I'm not sure Matt Breed is going to be sharing a whole bunch of time. I know he's not good, but there's not a whole bunch of options in that Giants backfield. I also anticipate the Giants being down. I don't think I'm alone. The line is 10 right now. So I think that they're going to be playing from behind. They're not going to be very effective in the run game. So I think a little short dump off passes is going to be the, 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 the mode of transport. And I think Matt Breed is going to be the beneficiary of that. So getting over two and a half at plus money is crazy good right now. You know, and and Daniel Jones in the same vein, same situation here, not going to be able to throw the ball down the field because San Francisco has a great defensive line that's going to be able to rush the passer. He's not going to have a lot of time to throw the ball down. They also want to play that shell look and keep everything underneath. So it's going to be really quick, short passes throughout the day. And, and, you know, we're we're only going to 20 here. We get 19 and a half completions. Minus 125 is available on the market. Um, I, I do think that the Giants are going to be in trouble protecting Daniel Jones in this game. You know, Andrew Thomas is reported out, so that's going to be a major problem for that offense line. He's by far the best one on that line. Um, and, and, you know, uh, Bredesen is also in concussion protocol. He's not going to play. So they're down two offensive linemen. They're not going to have time to throw the ball deep. These short dump-off passes, screen plays, um, the little outlet receivers to the running backs, these are the type of passes I think we're going to see Thursday night. It's not going to be a very good game. In fact, you know, I could only look to to San Francisco in this one, laying the 10 points, which is horrifying considering I'm a Giants fan. But Matt Breida over 2.5 receptions. Daniel Jones over 19.5 pass completions are both great plays for the Thursday night game. 
All right, so that'll wrap up our player prop contest. We'll go ahead. We'll get them on the sheet. We'll update you guys for next week. But right now, Uncle Dave, uh, he's the clear leader. He's on his way to a free dinner. With that said, let's go and throw it over to our chief meteorologist, David Gessler, for the weather update for this weekend. Yes, thanks for that. Um, you know, I, I had some good calls last week, actually, but, you know, and you mentioned it about the Northeast, and, and you know, I don't know if it's going to be out of there or not by Sunday, uh, but definitely could see some precipitation in the, in the, in the Jets-New England game, uh, the Washington game at Buffalo, uh, and another area of concern is uh, Wisconsin might see a little bit of rain, Kansas City might see a little bit of rain, and the Pacific Northwest, the, uh, the uh, Seahawks game, uh, might be a little bit damp. Uh, in terms of, of wind, uh, it, it's almost the same. You know, you look at, uh, look at the Northeast, and, and you mentioned it uh, on Sunday. I mean, you could see some 20-mile-an-hour some stuff and then above right along the eastern seaboard uh, is sprinkling into New York. And, and uh, you know, Seattle doesn't look like it's going to be windy, uh, but, you know, just and almost like a damp, typical Pacific Northwest uh, day. Uh, but I do see the wind potentially up uh, a fair bit in Wisconsin, which would affect uh, the Packers game, and that would, would, would lead us back to the under there, uh, and maybe a little bit in Kansas City. So those, those are your areas the, uh, that, that I would be looking out for before I made any bet. You know, uh, Seattle, the Packers game, the Chiefs game, and the Jets-New England game, Baltimore, uh, Buffalo, and uh, Washington game. And uh, those are the ones that I see as areas that I'll probably wait another day or two to, to see what's going to really happen before I bet on it. And I, it'll, it'll affect the totals, if anything. Yeah, I'm expecting those totals to come crashing down, Uncle Dave, once the weather says it's going to be pretty nasty on the East Coast. I think it's going to rain. That's just where I'm at right now. So uh, me personally, I'm not really touching anything. Uh, right now with the East Coast games, unless I like an under. Uh, with the weather out of the way, thanks there, Uncle Dave. Let's go and let's jump into our injuries. Steve has a lot of key injuries he wants to talk about this week. What do you got? Austin Eckler should be out this week, uh, and the Chargers are playing the Vikings, who have a lot of offensive line injuries, and there's not a lot of clarity here. So keep an eye on that as the week progresses to see how that shakes out. Tennessee is playing Cleveland this week, and Tennessee does not have a good offensive line to begin with. They spent a first-round draft pick on Peter Skaronsky, who is out against perhaps the most difficult Cleveland defensive line in the NFL. They're going to have a lot of trouble there. They also have secondary concerns with Imani Hooker and Kristen Fulton out. Cleveland does have Nick Chubb. I don't need to tell you a bunch about that, but I think Jerome Ford is going to be the person to own for fantasy purposes. Moving over to the Houston-Jacksonville game. Houston is a hot mess. I think that is a professional term right there. Laramie Tunzel is questionable. Secondary has cluster injuries across the board. Jimmy Ward at safety. Jalen Petrie safety. Eric Murray safety. Cornerback Tavir uh, Thomas uh, is also questionable. Linebacker Neville Hewitt. I can't even pronounce the name. There's so many players that are out right now and uh, questionable. There is major concern on both sides of the ball. The only good news for Houston right now is C.J. Stroud's shoulder should be 100%. Uh, Not a lot of concern on the other side of the ball for Jacksonville. Some big names, Zay Jones, Josh Allen, and Travis Etienne, all are questionable, but all should play in that game. Moving on to New England, they have some cluster injuries to the O-line, something to keep an eye on for that one. Over to New Orleans and Green Bay. Green Bay should be getting back Christian Watson Aaron Jones, not quite sure. Back to Yari. Certainly keep an eye on that as the week progresses. Um, the other situation for the Saints on the other side of the ball, their running back room is something to keep an eye on. Jamal Williams will miss some time. Obviously, Kamara is suspended. Uh, Kendra Moore should be back. Practicing should be full uh, participant in the game this week. Miami has seven players questionable themselves against Denver. Uh, Savan uh, Ahmed has a groin injury, shouldn't be out overly long. Jalen Waddell is in concussion protocol. He's supposedly progressing. I'm not sure if that's a positive or negative. Obviously, he's progressing as time progresses, so something to keep an eye on there too. Micah Hyde and Leonard Floyd are out or a day-to-day for Buffalo, and their secondary is getting older. So if Hyde is out, that's something to keep a look at. Washington is short Logan Thomas, who is in the concussion protocol. Atlanta has Jeff Akuda and Cordarrelle Patterson. Both should play. That's big and very important to that game, especially if you're looking for that plus three and a half that we talked about earlier. And Detroit, as we mentioned, has a host of injuries. They're the most injured team in the NFL. Again, just to recap, 
since September 16th. Ten players added to the injury report. Four on the IR, all on defense. David Montgomery is day-to-day. Amon Ron St. Brown is dealing with a toe injury. They are a mess in Detroit. Indianapolis, we have Anthony Richardson in concussion protocol. I'm not sure if he's going to play. Second concussions since 2021, and second concussions have a 50% return this same week. We'll see what ends up shaking out there. Baltimore has major questions on the injury report, and that might not be a bad thing because I think a lot of these players are coming back. People to keep an eye on, Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphreys could be coming back this week. Keep an eye on that. There's some offensive line injuries with Linderbaum and Stanley that need to keep uh, that could be a major consideration for them. If neither play, watch out for that situation. Carolina and Seattle, you have Bryce Young with the ankle. He did not practice today. There's two major hits to the defense in the last week. They had Shaq Thomas and uh, J.C. Horn. Both are on IR. Seattle does have Jamal Adams coming back, so there's a lot of positivity coming for Seattle, not as much coming for Carolina. I did play a little five-and-a-half with Seattle, something that, uh, that you could look at. I think most of the market's at six at this point. Brandon Cook should be back for Dallas. Uh, that's all in that game. But moving on to Chicago and KC, we have cluster injuries for Chicago to the secondary and the offensive line. Uh, Braxton Jones to the IR with a neck injury. They're already down a left guard. Eddie Jackson for safety. Kyler Gordon is on the IR. We have cornerback Josh Blackwell questionable. You know, and they have Darnell Mooney injured and not to believe too serious. He should play. And Justin Fields comes out and says that he's playing too robotic and blames the coaching staff. And that should be the most talked about thing for Chicago. But then Alan Williams resigns. Apparently his house get raided. There was a rumor that Hallis Hall, the Bears practice facility, also got raided. The Bears are a dumpster fire. Casey does have some injuries, though. Isaiah Pacheco and Kadarius Toney did not practice today. Not sure if that's just maintenance or if it's something that we should be concerned about. Thursday practice should tell us a little bit more. Deontay Johnson's on IR for Pittsburgh. Minka Fitzpatrick, his chest x-ray came back negative, and it's not too serious. I'm not sure if that means he's playing or not. I couldn't get a ton of clarification, but he is impactful to that team. Not sure how much of the line, maybe a half a point, because he is very important to the back half of that defense. Jacoby Myers should be back for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Philadelphia, Kenneth Gainwell should be back. Good luck figuring out that running back rotation moving forward. And Joe Burrow, hard to say if Joe Burrow will play on Monday night. That's Zach Taylor's words. I do believe him. I don't know what's going to happen here. The market is at two and a half, and I think it's splitting the difference between if he plays and if he doesn't. You got a 50-50 shot. I'd rather wait and see what happens here before I invest any money in this one. All right, you guys know what that music is. It is now time for the Sheep's Play of the Week. And the Sheep's Play of the Week is going to be the Seattle Seahawks this week. And I hate that because I actually really like the Seattle Seahawks this week. So I'm going to be with the herd this week there. I think Seattle, after last week's big win, getting them 37 points on the road, that that's really brought a lot of people in on the Seahawks. The Panthers, um, they didn't look all that great the other night. I mean, it was a Monday night game. The fact that Um, You know, they got that late touchdown that ended up making the game three, but I don't think they did anything really to wow anybody. But now you're going to take this team on the road against a Seattle team that is looking for their first home win. And I just think that there's just a lot of betters flocking to the Seahawks team right now. This line opened up at minus four. And then after the Monday night game, it started to trickle up, but it was pretty much hammered, you know, early this morning, later on this afternoon. It's now up to six minus 12 at bookmakers. So, you know, there's a lot of sharp action coming in here on the Seahawks, but uh, I got to admit I'm with the Sheeps here. So the Sheeps pick of the week is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. Let's hope we end up with another winning week. With that out of the way, let's go ahead. Let's jump into our three-team Predator Parlay. Hey, Uncle Dave, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you first. What's the pick you're going to put in for this week? Oh, boy. You're holding a gun to my head here, Sleepy. Um, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys minus 12 over Arizona. There is little to no chance that Josh Dobbs puts up very many points against that Dallas defense, even if Dallas's defense doesn't really give a shit about playing this game. I just don't see it. So, I, I, you know, the total of only 43, I mean, I think if Dallas gets to 24, they cover that number. I mean, I don't see Arizona getting more than 10. And it certainly looked to me like Dallas wanted to score as many as they could last week. I think they're on a mission this year. I feel pretty strongly that 
but Dallas takes Arizona to the woodshed, and I, I hate to be square, but I can't make a case the other way, so give me Dallas. All right, so Uncle Dave, we're going to go ahead and kick in Dallas. Steve, I'll let you go ahead next. What are you kicking in the three-team parlay? All right, for my parlay, I'm going to throw in the Pittsburgh Steelers plus three. Uh, it's on bet online right now. That's available. You're getting some extra vig here uh, if you're laying it to get to three, and I'm okay with that. You know, frankly, the Steelers looked awful. Uh, they've been awful. Their offense is uh, pathetic. Their defense has carried them. They're one and one and they haven't looked good. That game the other night was absolutely pathetic. I'm embarrassed that I watched the entire thing, but Pittsburgh's played the two of the most difficult teams in the NFL. Uh, as far as defenses go, now they play the Raiders. The Raiders are far below average. They're probably one of the bo- bottom five units in the NFL. And I think you see a little bit more of a resurgence here and some of those those thoughts that we were getting from the Steelers that a lot of people had them at eight and a half for their win total. I think you're going to see that team starting to come back now when they have a more of an opportunity to play against a team like the Raiders. The the offensive style that the uh, the Steelers run is exactly what should work against the Raiders. They have no problem with the little dump off passes, running the ball, and then taking those deep shots down the field. Deontay Johnson is missing as a route runner, which is extremely important for the Steelers. I don't think it matters as much as this one. I think George Pickens probably goes off, and I think that plus three is a great look right now. I'm not sure the Raiders should should be laying three points to any team in this NFL, um, short of Houston and Arizona. And, and Steelers have an incredible defense that's going to keep them in the game no matter what. So. I really don't understand why they're they're catching three points here, even two and a half, which is most of the market. I have no problem doing that. If you want to tease it up, you can do that as well. Um, but three hitting that bed in line right now is certainly something that caught my eye and will uh, garner some attention in my uh, balance sheet here. All right, so there's Steve and Uncle Dave's pick. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw one in here. I don't know if anybody's going to like this one, but I'm going to go to, I'm going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars minus the nine against the Texans. I think a lot of people were expecting more out of the Texans last week, and the fact that you know, they really didn't show up. I think it soured a lot of people. But, again, like this Texans team, yeah, like they're going to be better than they were last year. But now they're going on the road against a team in Jacksonville who, uh, you know, they put up a really good defensive effort. But offensively last week, I mean, they looked pretty much anemic. So I think that they wake up, circle the wagons, and they look to put a beating on, you know, the Texans this week. And I think the Texans are going to have to do – pretty much everything right. I think that they've been fortunate, you know, not to have turned the ball over, not to have one of those penalty type games. But I think that this is the game where it all kind of unravels for the Texans here. So I think the Jaguars put a beating on them. I wouldn't be shocked if the if the Jaguars put up 30 plus and the Texans struggled, you know, to go ahead and get out of the team. So I think laying nine points here with the Jaguars is actually quite safe. I mean, this line started out at seven and a half. It's all the way up to like nine and a half at some spots. So Clearly, I think this line probably might go to 10. Let's go ahead. Let's lay the nine now. So those will be the three picks for the three-team Predator Parlay. With that done and out of the way, let's do our quick promo. Guys, it's week number three of the NFL, and now is the time to go ahead and get into the action. You guys could have direct access to our resident NFL professional handicapper, Steve Reeder. He releases all his picks each and every week throughout the week on the Betting Predators Discord channel. You guys will have instant access to picks, articles, and newsletters, and this very podcast at thebettingpredators.com. Make thebettingpredators.com your destination for picks, props, fantasy football information. Premium packages are now available. Make sure you guys go ahead and pick those up. And if you guys want direct access to myself or Uncle Dave, you have to go to pregame.com. That is where all our premium selections are at. All our premium content is there. And if you guys are looking for a free pick at pregame.com, simply enter code pregame25 at checkout. That's our one and only promotion for this week. Now it's time for the one thing that you guys have all been waiting for, and that is best bets. Uncle Dave, I'll let you go ahead and lead out with your best bet for NFL week number three. What do you got? What I try to tell you, this country, you got to make the money first. Do you understand? I make a couple of moves, a mill here, a mill there. You got it. Maybe you and Sosa know something I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go right back to one of the games we, we looked at today. I'm going to I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions team total over. I mean, I really like that one. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Atlanta ran for over 200 yards against the Packers. But the Packers' defense is pitiful. Now, I don't think the Lions is elite, but they know what's coming with Atlanta. Atlanta has has nowhere to run, nowhere to hide uh, in terms of offense. And 
You know, I, I almost can see Detroit putting seven, eight guys in the box and totally forcing Ritter to throw, which could mean six points the other way. It could mean good field position for Goff in the offense. And I don't have enough faith in, in Atlanta's defense after what I've seen to stop, uh, have, have them from stopping Goff put up several of his own. So I put that as a high leverage, uh, high probability bet, the uh, Detroit Lions team total over the number. All right, so Uncle Dave with his best bet there, Detroit Lions team total over. Uh, I'll go next here. I'm going to go and I'm going to play a teaser here, and I'm going to use Seattle, the Sheep's pick. I'm using Seattle to do a six-point tease. We're going to get Seattle down to a pick so we just need them to win their first game here at home. And I'm also going to go ahead. I'm going to plug in Monday night football game, the Eagles. Eagles are minus five. Let's go. Let's get them down to plus one. Um, I think the Eagles actually are far better than this Buccaneers team. Like, I've watched the Buccaneers the last two weeks, and I really watched them close last week. And even though Baker Mayfield looks half decent, it, he, he kind of looks like a ticking time bomb. Like, he's ready to explode and just unleash fury uh, on this Buccaneers team. And I think this week it catches up to them. Facing the Eagles, who, you know, they really – I. I I don't want to say the Eagles haven't looked good, but I think in, in a, I think there's a game in which they that they can look like the Eagles of last year, and I actually think it could be this game here on the road. So I like the Eagles to go ahead and take care of the Buccaneers. I think the Bucks probably just make too many mistakes this week, and I think the Seattle Seahawks clearly are the are much better than the Panthers, and just asking them to go ahead and win there at home. I think that that's a pretty good teaser. If if you guys were looking for another tease, maybe the Buffalo Bills. I think that the Bills could probably put some put some damage on on the Commanders. I would look at that. So maybe those three teams are, are teaser teaser options. But the one that I like the most is clearly the Seahawks and the Eagles. So I'll go ahead. I'll make that my best bet. Six point tease. Eagles. Seahawks. Steve, you go ahead. Finish out the best bets. What do you got? If you're good at something, never do it for free. So listen, why don't you give me a call when you want to start taking things a little more seriously. Here's my card. All right, for my best bet, I'm going team total. Tennessee under 17 and a half. You know, looking at this game, I wanted to get to Cleveland. You know, power rating wise, I, I know Tennessee got a whole bunch of money here and it pushed it down to three. It actually is ticking up to three and a half. And the reason why I can't get to Cleveland is because I just don't trust that offensive side of the ball. And Deshaun Watson has been enigmatic. It has not been that promise that he came with from Houston. And, and given that big contract, we haven't seen it on the field. And maybe we see it in this one. It's possible. But I don't trust it right now. And I don't feel great about it. But I trust the Cleveland defense to be able to take advantage of that awful Tennessee uh, offensive line. In fact, you know, losing Peter Skaronsky, he's their best offensive lineman right now. They can't afford to lose anybody else. We've seen what Cleveland has done to Cincinnati, to Pittsburgh the last two weeks. Tennessee is significantly worse on that offensive line. I know there's some name brand uh, in in that backfield, uh, but I I think Ryan Tannehill is running for his life in this one. He's not a great quarterback, and he's going to be under duress throughout. Give me Tennessee team total under 17 and a half. All right, so that'll wrap up the best bets. Let's go ahead and let's get into the three agreed pick last week had the New York football giants um, took a miracle for those guys to go ahead and win. But unfortunately we were laying just a couple too many points in that one. So now one and one with our agreed picks, uncle Dave, I'll let you go ahead and start out. What's our agreed pick that we like this week. Yeah. We like the bears team total under 17 and a half. And you know, what's not to hate about the bears offense. I mean, if you look at week one against a, a, a fairly bad Packers defense, uh, you know, Fields, uh, 216 yards with 24 uh, completions. So, I mean, he's not throwing the ball downfield. We, we pretty much know that anyway, and obviously one interception. Uh, and then if you look at their game last week against Tampa Bay, you know, it kind of gets worse. I mean, they, they put up 236 yards of total offense, 67 yards on the ground, uh, and, and, and Fields was – 16 to 29 with two interceptions. So I think between the abysmal quarterback play, the turnovers, uh, and the the defense that they're going to face, I don't think they're going to get 17 and a half points. And I think I think things get worse 
uh, in the Windy City before they get better sleepy. I'm with you there, Uncle Dave. I like the Bears team total under two, so I'm obviously going to make it two for two. Obviously, Steve is too. But this Bears team worries me, and I think that this is a matchup that puts them in a, in a real tough bind. Like, if this team could go out there and just run the football and stay in the game, and they could stick to their game plan, what they do best, then they give themselves a shot. But the minute you put Justin Fields in a position to where he has to throw the football, all disaster breaks loose. And there's no other quarterback in the NFL that you don't want to have to go heads up with in a, in a shootout contest, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Not only that, the Bears are going to be on the road, so it's going to be an even tougher task here for Chicago. I think Chicago gets themselves into trouble here. And at some point, I, I think they kind of call off the dogs here, Uncle Dave, offensively, and they just look to run the ball, run the clock out. I mean, this line's almost two touchdowns for a reason. I don't want to sit here and say, say that the Bears aren't good. I actually think they're far better than they were last year, but they do have to make some improvements. And you could do that against some of the bottom feeder type teams, mid-grade teams, but you're playing the Super Bowl champions on the road. It's not going to be easy. I don't think this team gets past 17 there, Uncle Dave and Steve. So I'm with you guys with the Bears team total. Under Steve, I'll let you go ahead and wrap up our final piece here. What do you got? This is agreed upon best bet here. The three amigos are putting it out under 17 and a half for a Chicago team total. There's just too much going wrong right now. I mean, truthfully, I bet it before all this news broke about Justin Fields and how, you know, he's robotic and it's the coach's fault. It was before the defense coordinator went on hiatus and apparently had his home raided and eventually resigned. You know, this team is in shambles. They, they looked awful. And so much of Justin Fields' success in the last couple of years has been from the ground game, and he's not running the ball. And they're not effective passing the ball. He's not a thrower. What was so great about him was that he was able to improvise outside of the offensive scheme, and when plays broke down, he was able to take advantage of those plays. He's not doing that now. He's got his entire team on both sides of the ball are injured. His defensive coordinator, obviously, is not calling his plays, is jettisoned. He's gone. He's complaining about the offensive coordinator. Eberflus is probably going to be the first uh, coach fired. There's just way too many wrong things happening with this team. And Casey has been sneaky good defensively to start this season. They held Jacksonville to to single digits last week. They are, I think, one of the, I'd probably say top five units that is underrated in the NFL right now. Um, you know, 12 and a half is a big number to lay, especially considering that KC hasn't been able to put it together offensively, which is why I, uh, I pivoted to Chicago under 17 and a half. And I'm glad that we all agree on it. All right. Well, there you guys go. That'll wrap up the podcast for NFL week number three. You guys know where to find all three of us on Twitter at sleepy underscore pregame at Dave underscore Essler at avoid the vig make sure you guys like subscribe to the podcast make sure you guys check us out at the betting predators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com but that's it like to wish you guys all the best of luck enjoy the games <laughs>